Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of AI Movie Night. I'm your host, Joe Simpson, and tonight I'm joined, as usual, by two great guests to discuss a great film. In this case, it's the instant classic, really, Baby Driver. And before I go any further, anyone listening, we're obviously going to talk about the film, every aspect, we're going to spoil it from the start to the end. So please, if you haven't seen it yet, please uh, watch it before hopefully coming and listening to this. Uh, there's so much to talk about, so I'm going to get straight down to it. Firstly, I'm just going to introduce my first guest. It's Rory Greenfield, the regular on the AI Movie Night and the co-host of the excellent AI Comic Pod. How are you, Rory? I'm good, man. It's good to be back. It's been a little while. Um, I'm surprised you've only done 24 of these, you know. <laughs> That's what's the show. Yeah. You just did it then. Yeah. yeah plenty more to cover, man. Oh, definitely. Definitely, uh, it's it's so often we've had technical problems or things set up, and you know. So as you say, there's plenty more to come. Obviously, we've had some technical problems tonight, but we've, Just a we've couple, got through them now. Just we're, a couple. We're, we're ready. We're ready. <laughs> we're definitely ready. Definitely ready. I'm also lucky enough to be joined by the birthday boy Luke Chanley, who's a writer for Get Into This and Anfield Index, amongst a number of others. How are you, Luke? Yeah, very well, thanks, very well indeed. Uh, looking forward to getting stuck in and chatting about, like you say, an instant classic. So yeah, should be yeah, should be good. Oh, that's great. Thanks very much to you both for joining me. As I say, I'm going to get straight into it. Uh, obviously, I know you're both massive fans of Edgar Wright's work. What is it about his films that makes you such a big fan, Rory? Um, so, it's difficult. I could probably talk far too long on the subject of Edgar Wright. It's almost like my chosen topic on Mastermind, I think, which is, which mainly comes down to, so I, I, don't, I kind of, I love Spaced back in the day. So, you're going back about 18 years, um, and Spaced was a Channel 4 kind of offbeat sitcom um, with Simon Pegg uh, co-writing with Edgar Wright and Nick Frost, which is kind of what formed their relationship and, and then they went on to do obviously the Cornetto trilogy and, um, and Edgar Wright's kind of gone a little bit left field and, and moved over to 
Canada and in the States and stuff and, and it's kind mm-hmm. of good to see him evolving I think Simon Pegg's the same I always feel a little bit sorry for Nick Frost in this equation because he's the kind of one that's been left behind a little bit because um, <laughs> you know Pegg's a, a kind of A-list superstar since he went on to do Star Trek and he's in all the Mission Impossible films and stuff um, but I think it's the writing and his, his way of storytelling that's always kind of set him apart a little bit he's the, the the thing for me, which is 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 quite a surprise, is, is the big U turn in his his style. Because although he what Edgar Wright does and what he's known for doing is taking the genres he grew up watching and loving, and then converting them into his style of film. So Shaun of the Dead is um, his kind of take on a zombie apocalypse film. He he grew up watching um, Dawn of the Dead and things of those nature and it's in by oh, who's the guy that did all those kind of films um, you know. yeah 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 and, and and the other directors of that kind of ilk and mm-hmm. he went he basically wanted to do something with a british kind of twist on it um and then if you look at hot fuzz it's it's similar thing so it's all referenced in the film itself so it's all bad boys <laughs> and, and, and those kind of films and point break and those kind of classic yeah. american action films um and then he's kind of gone off and gone right i've done that you know and i and the same with the, the world's end which is a little bit understated i i kind of liked it some people not so much but it's got some good elements to it and and again it's great soundtrack and, and his style of film taking a lot of kind of sci-fi elements and stuff that he, he also likes. So he kind of did three genres and three films and, and made them into a kind of offbeat trilogy in his way. And then he decided to kind of go off and do Scott Pilgrim, which is unlike, I think unlike anything I've seen. And I, I always rank it as one of my favorite films. Um, mm-hmm. People that haven't seen it go, you know, it looks shit. What are you talking about? And then most people that have, are generally in complete agreement with me because if you grew up in my kind of era, so kind of nineties, um, you know, mega drive snares, <laughs> arcades, those kind of things, you know, and then also, you know, played instruments and, and in bands and all that kind of shit and stuff, it, you know, that is the, the film that appealed to me most because it's got so many pop culture references, so many kind of old school gaming references. And it's just, it's just a perfect kind of story. And, and from there, I just can't get enough of anything that Karate's ever done, really. So <laughs> I was kind of hotly awaiting this film this year because although there's some huge releases this summer, I mean, it's it's such a great summer for film um, and such a great year so far, actually, I'd say. But um, this does stand apart for me as, as something particularly special. And I kind of always, with the cast and, and with the move to, well, it's Atlanta, but move to the States, um, it's it's a bit of a, a shift change and it's it's kind of very welcome because I think it's given Edgar Wright a little bit more of a budget and a little bit something different to to keep him out of his comfort zone but equally still give him in you know license to make something special and that's that's certainly what he's done. Yeah, I think Rory summed up Edgar Wright's career perfectly there. So so many interesting projects and you know if you haven't checked them out, you should do because you know so many people love them and there's so much quality there going back many many years they're, they're definitely worth checking out what about yourself Luke are you, are you similarly a big fan of Edgar Wright's way yeah a, a, a really big fan actually I um, I think I remember I remember the day that I first saw uh, Shaun of the Dead 
and I think we bought it on Skybox Office. Like, I, I haven't bought anything on Skybox Office probably in the 10 years since I watched that <laughs> film. Uh, but it was, I mean, mum and dad sat down and like, I've heard this film's great. I mean, mum and dad aren't film people, so I was like, well, it's obviously going to be crap, isn't it, if you're saying that? But anyway, I was like, I'll crack on family day or whatever. Um, and I kind of remember, like, I don't know if I even Googled it. I don't know if even it was back then. I, I Googled things, but uh, and I thought, I don't, we are not keen on this. It looks a bit of a, a bit a bit of a naff kind of parody i was like oh i'm not sure and within the first 10 minutes i was like what is, how haven't i seen this already i hadn't heard of it before i saw it that day and i was just from from that day i was hooked and from that day i was waiting for wait for hot fours then you have the world's end and that was like i was like really big into kind of that the cornetto trilogy which is what pushed me to space and i had spaced on dvd for years um and I just really like, I think what I like the most um, about the way um, he he approaches his films, it's almost like a caricature of, of the genre that he's taken off. So it's not almost poking fun, but it's like paying homage in a really fun way and a really unique kind of way. So you've got the zombie apocalypse. I mean, it's it, it's not scary, Shaun of the Dead, but you know it's got its kind of brutal moments, but it's still very, very fun. It doesn't poke fun at, but it almost has fun with the genre, which I really like. Um Again, Hot Fuzz was a really kind of, even though it was set in like a unfashionable, unstylish British town, it's a, I think it's quite a understated and stylish film in the way it kind of approaches all the, like, the action scenes. Very Edgar Wright in that respect. Um, and The World's End I was a bit disappointed with, but then again, I've only seen it once and I'm, I'm a notorious changer of minds when I watch a film a second time, so I do need to watch that again. Um, but I think it's just kind of the fun element that comes with all of his films. Like Scott Pilgrim, I, I rewatched it again today um, in in the in the build up to this to this show, and it's just such a fun a fun film. Like it's, it's almost how graphic kind of graphic novel films possibly should be in a way. Um, not dissimilar to how I feel about Baby Driver. It's almost once you've seen that film, for me being a great fan, it was. Why aren't all films like this? Like, why don't, why don't, why doesn't everyone pay this much attention to like their job? If they're liking their job, why don't they? Um, and it's just. I, I think that just sets him apart as a director, though, mate. Because yeah. I think, I think that's the thing with directors. A lot of people don't, and and I'm known for it, right? Any Stu will tell you from from the comic pod that I don't shut up about direction of film and cinematography <laughs> and the way things are done. Yeah. But I, I kind of understand how important they are. And I, I always think people go, oh, it's all about the cast and all this and, and, and the soundtrack and stuff. I'm like, yeah, but who brings all that into a story? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because you look yeah. at films like the latest King Kong film, which had an incredible cast and actually had a really good soundtrack and the locations were ridiculous. You know, they shot in Vietnam, in New Zealand, in all these great places, huge budget, but it's a shit film. Well, it's a shit film in comparison to what it should be. Cause you've yeah, got actors like Tom Hiddleston, you've got, you know, Brie Larson and stuff. And it's just so it's all about the story and the direction and the director having the balls to really to do it their way. And I, and I was a bit worried about this project because you see Edgar Wright, who's worked with, you know, uh, you know, Scott Pilgrim has got some 
slightly bigger actors, um, a lot that have gone in other superhero genres, but probably before they got that that big, um, yeah. like Chris Evans and, and Brandon Rouse and, and various people. Michael Sarah is probably the least intimidating actor in Hollywood, so I can't <laughs> imagine he's that difficult to work with. Um, but you've got these kind of all these kind of younger, quite trendy actors. Um, but none of which they kind of would make you nervous directing them. But you go into this and you've got Jamie Foxx, who is a, a notoriously huge personality on the set. And yeah. then you've got people like um, Kevin Spacey. And I mean, Jesus Christ, imagine trying to direct Kevin Spacey <laughs> to do anything. He will be yeah. directing you, basically, because <laughs> that experience is that good. And I just think I was a bit nervous about him going into this and such a bold, big project. But I think it just shows that what a capable director he is. And I think what respect he probably got from his cast that they deliver his film, because that's the thing with it. It's very much his film. And I think that's what's kind of been a trend for this year and, and a lot of the directors and stuff. Cause we talked about Logan um, and James Marigold did that. And Logan is very much a director's movie where I think if the studio had their way, they wouldn't have made such a bold decision perhaps to 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 kill off and this is another spoiler if you are listening and haven't seen logan but to kill off wolverine to kill off uh hugh jackman you know and i think it was time but they also did it um with uh patrick stewart which is just a huge huge thing to do um and i just think it's that's why it's such a positive year especially with la la land as well because i just got to put that out there because again directors don't make films like that very often do you know what i mean and if you look at whiplash and they probably thought right this guy's got something about him but then they let him go and make this film that's obviously won you know dozen oscars or whatever which is ridiculous but um but i i really like it i think it's a great film but it's one of those films that again it's nice this year because you're getting directors really stamping their vision rather than the studios just taking yeah. over and telling them what to do which is i think what we've had for a lot of years in cinema so yeah i think that's why i'm quite buzzing about cinema this year because there's so many good things at the minute yeah no couldn't 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 agree more and i think the good thing as well is obviously it is a business at the end of the day and the good yeah. thing is the studios have been rewarded both financially and critically yeah. by these talented younger directors you know bigger budgets and more free reign to put their own stamp on them as you say and you know clearly clearly it's worked um i think one of the things i love about edgar wright similarly to you both he's kind of like a massive film nerd oh huge who 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 is who is blessed with this sort of extremely gifted talent and brings so much of his film knowledge and love to his his own films but in a way like he's both said in a way that it does pay homage but it's still very much an Edgar Wright film it takes yeah. it in a different angle or puts a different spin on it and 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 in a way that gives a lot of respect to those other films but also you know gives it a different tint as well and just i've got to go back to this just because i love this story it's funny you mentioned about simon Pegg earlier on becoming a superstar uh, yeah roughly uh, the funny quote i read the, uh, by uh, edgar wright is where he said in one of the interviews um uh, just after Shaun of the Dead, I think it was, he said something like, you know, Simon Pegg said, it's not like I'm going to go off to Hollywood and start making Mission Impossible <laughs> films. And obviously, you know, it's funny how things could change around, isn't it? But yeah, no, 
it's, so it's many- mad with Simon Pegg, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. putting it in perspective, because I really like the guy, and I think he's very yeah. charismatic. And he's a yeah. good actor. I think he's got a bit more range at times than he's given credit for. Um, mm. I mean, Hot Fuzz, the guy, got in shape. Do you know what I mean? He, he was he was taking it seriously. <laughs> it's kind yeah. of a weird thing, especially after... I think he had to wear a fat suit for Run Fat Boy Run because he'd just been <laughs> filming Hot Fuzz where he's in the shape of his life and then he had to go off and do that. <laughs> a film um, called Run Fat Boy Run, yeah. Yeah, one of the worst films I can remember in the last <laughs> so many years. But, yeah, um, not great. No, not great. But, you, you know, I drove through the town where they filmed Hot Fuzz last year. It's in the kind of, well, it's near Bath, that kind of that yeah. part of the country. And I just, I absolutely adore it, man, because... To me, it's the film that mostly only British people get. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was travelling when it came out about 10 years ago, and I was in Australia and I watched it there. I think I watched it cinema twice in Melbourne because I absolutely loved it. Um, and I just thought the audience were going, what the hell is this? They probably like the action elements, and it's quite brutal, man, especially there's a couple of scenes where, yeah. you know, the, the guy gets impaled with <laughs> the, the spire that comes off the you know the church or whatever um it's quite a shocking film at times but um but the humor in it is so british and i just don't think people would have maybe got that and i kind of like that about it I, I felt like it's a director directing something for us for a change a little bit you know what i mean it's it's yeah. kind of felt a little bit like that because i think british film was struggling at that time i think it's kind of had a bit of a renaissance and some of the studios are you know all the all the studios that are here, Pinewood and all the big ones, and you get Star Wars over here and stuff now. So there's, it's a big change, but, um, but yeah, I think Edgar Wright is kind of a big part of a relaunching, you know, British film. Um, and again, you know, this film's got what 35 million budget or something. It's not like he's working on, you know, I think the next one he's got an open checkbook. I think for, for most studios, you know, they're going to go right there you go make what you want to make no restrictions um i i heard him talking he was on the empire podcast and he was a great interview and he was saying that they almost the studio was trying to get him to cut the chase scene in in baby driver um and he, he basically sacrificed i think three three days of of his wages or, or whatever it was to get it you know a big cut of his 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 salary to get it you know, made to, to fund the actual project because he's saying, oh, you don't need, it's all about the driving, it's not about the chase scene. And the chase scene happens to be one of the, like, the finest scenes in the film, if not, for me, up there as <laughs> the finest. And it's, 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 it kind of shows the commitment of the director, but also shows the budget restraints. Do you know what I mean? I mean, they, they were clearly a bit nervous about this. And, I, I, yeah, they needn't be anyway, let's put it that way. I think... Um just sorry, just putting in just before we move on to the next bit on the agenda. I think what's really important if we're going to probably talk about um, Wright's career is the, the Ant Man situation. Um, yeah, I talk about this most days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it's really interesting because I mean, I I I um, was unsure about the situation, right? but being a Wright fan, obviously, um, kind of just trust trusted his judgment. But then when he backed away. Um, I wonder how maybe I wonder how maybe creatively the Marvel team behind that feel after such a fantastically creative follow-up in Baby Driver. I think because I, I mean I don't you guys may know more what happened, but it seemed like creative differences and maybe restrictions, which is kind of buzzed around the Marvel situation a bit recently as well. I think um, I've heard a few different things, but I think that'd probably go to show 
quite a lot about his um, ambitions, both in general, but also like on a project by project basis. Because I think if if things aren't going to go right for him, he's just going to walk away. And in a way, that's a that's probably a really really good way to yeah. kind of go about your career, especially in directing, where you it's you are making a mold for yourself in every single film you do. And I think mm-hmm. the fact that he walked away from that, which was actually to be fair, a really, really good film. And I know he wrote yeah. like large, oh, well, most of it, didn't he? Still, um, mm. but I think it, that that whole that whole like year and a half is quite an interesting part of his his career, isn't it? Even though essentially it didn't end up being like turn out that he was directing the film. No, it's I know enough about it because we talked about it a few times before. Um, I'm still a little bit gutted about it because I, I just think. Paul Rudd under Edgar Wright's kind of guys would have just been incredible. I, I, yeah. I still think, look, don't get me wrong, Ant-Man is a good film, and I think what Marvel always do, and and, and I think they do extremely successfully, is they, they always guide their films in the right kind of direction. Do you know what I mean? And, and if yeah, you go definitely. to see Spider-Man, you can feel the Marvel element in Spider-Man, which you wouldn't have got if it was just a Sony-produced film you know they sure. i think kevin feige and his team and all the rest of it really do know what makes audiences tick and 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 what makes the kind of true comic book fans tick at the same in- instance but yeah i think what what happened essentially is that edgar's story and he was in pre-production for like god it was it was almost 10 years it was ridiculous yeah it was, years, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was i think it was before scott pilgrim <clears throat> but it was something that he he probably he is quite stuck in his ways, I think, in, in, in the regard of he he wants his vision to, to be properly done, you know? And I think if yeah. people were starting interfering with his script and doing rewrites, which is what they wanted to do, um, he wrote it with Adam and Joe, but just Adam from Adam and Joe, I think, from back in the day. I think he wrote Attack yeah. the Block as well. And they're both, um, I think it's Adam Cornish, they're both still on the writing credits. Um, but Edgar Wright hasn't seen it. Um, which I heard him say, which is kind of oh, gutting. Really? Yeah, he's never seen it. He, he must feel quite bitter towards it. And it's not the yeah. first time. I mean, Josh... Whedon I think he met. said he'll never watch it, didn't he? I think it's yeah. not bad. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's the thing. It was his baby. He did all yeah. the groundwork. He did all the scripts. And then I think his story was a little bit more around um, Michael Douglas's character um, rather than around Paul Rudd so I think maybe the studio was coming at it from a slightly different angle yeah. and yeah it's I still think it's a massive shame and I yeah. think Marvel potentially might be kicking themselves I think you know you look at Josh Whedon who's gone off to do finish up um, Justice League um, because of the issues um, with Zack Schneider and and then he's going to do Batgirl and stuff. And he did he did Avengers and then Age of Ultron and fell out with the studio badly over Age of Ultron due to interference and various other things. I still think it holds up as a really good film, but I think it could have been maybe a bit more special. And and he's now left to go to DC um, and Warner Brothers. And I think, you know, maybe Edgar Wright might do the same and eventually... Do Marvel care? They're still grossing billion dollars for most of their films, so maybe they don't care. Um, (laughs) It's one of those things, isn't it? But you don't really want to burn the most talented directors knocking about, you know, and and I Mm -hmm. think that's what they they really have done in this situation. So, yeah, I think it's disappointing. On the other side of it, maybe he wouldn't have felt as inspired to go off and do Baby Driver yet. You know, maybe he would have gone and done something else after that. And, you know, it's you never know what could have happened so um 
if it's inspired him to go and do this now, then I think we're we're all the better for it. Cause, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, yeah, this this is you know as much as I love Marvel and no one better listen to this if it, like Stu or Gags. Um, I this film and these kind of films are, are more what I I live for in cinema. You know what I mean? It, these are <laughs> sure these these kind of you know this film is is exceptional, but it's it's again it's like nothing else. That's what's yeah. great about films like this because they are. And, and how many films have been made in the course of history and you still get original productions that are completely yeah. different. And that's why Edgar Wright's pretty special because not many directors can, can make original films. Even though the story is quite known, it, it still feels completely new, completely oh, fresh. Totally, totally. And obviously that leads us nicely on. Obviously, clearly you both absolutely adore this film and obviously there was a danger in the build-up there was so much hype and then straight after the critics gave it glowing reviews there was always that question of did it live up to your expectations it sounds like it really did Luke yeah um it did completely to be honest with you um I think from I think maybe I don't know whether this helped or not but when I saw that I think when I saw the trailer initially I was excited but it almost you know how sometimes when you see a trailer and you're like, all the best bits of the film are in that trailer, like, I'm going to only be disappointed with the film. Um, I almost kind of think the trailer kind of downplayed the film a little bit, so if anything, it, it only slightly maybe dampened my expectations, um, but I still went in, and from the from the very first from the very first minute, I had a, just a big, cheesy grin on my face until the very last minute when the credits rolled in, and I, was, and I remember... Um, turning to a friend and just going, well, 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 well. I just didn't know what to say. It was just so, <laughs> so, so magnificent. Um, and I'm really glad that it did live up to like my expectations. And there's also people who um, I know who aren't movie fans, particularly. I, I don't, I don't know what else these people are doing, but they're not movie fans. <laughs> and they kind of, and they're kind of saying, yeah, that was a really good film. I really like that. And it's nice to see it's not just me and those guys who think it's great and kind of similarly minded people it's it yeah. generally is a great film isn't it um and that's um and that's kind of my summary in general really like we could end the podcast there and i think that'll be <laughs> we can end there but let's, let's not let's just talk about it forever um, no. and yeah i thought i thought it was ac i loved it no you're right i think it, 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 it it's something special it's like I, I was quite similar at the end of it i was just like I've never seen anything like that before. Obviously, I've seen elements, similar elements and things, but never that level of action combined with that level of the music and the choreography and all all perfectly, skillfully matched up in a way that just has you sort of... It's almost like your brain doesn't know what to do because music yeah. and action and... You know, so many things happening at once together, perfectly in sync. It's just, as I say, I've never seen anything like it, and it's just a, a joy from start to finish. What about yourself, Rory? Um, yeah, I just echo that. It, I just, for the record, if Luke had ended the pod right there, then I know it's his <laughs> birthday, but I still would have hunted him down. That wouldn't have been, that wouldn't have been a happy time for me. Um, I think I think something Luke mentioned about the audience, and, and this is big for me, is that I was I always want Edgar Wright to find success because I think he's a director that really earns it. You know, he earns his craft, and, and like you said, you know, why can't all directors? put that much effort into their films 
but not all directors do. Do you know what I mean? I mean, Michael Bay, let's be honest, he will mm-hmm. churn out any old shit for audiences and without a care in the world. Do you know what I mean? And that guy had skill. Do you know what I mean? But now we're five Transformers films in. <laughs> it's just going to be <laughs> the same old horrible films over and over again. And that's the frustrating thing with some of these directors that they're, they're basically a waste of their talents and what they can do. Um, and it's either they choose your own script and the cast and all the rest of it. But, you know, good directors tend not to make mistakes. And I think good directors, for me, or the really special ones, are the ones that write and produce and direct and basically see a film from start to finish. And I think what we talked about with Ant-Man and stuff is the same principle. I think if, if you're that committed to the film you're looking to make, that's why maybe has that kind of impact on a director because you say take Nolan out of a production halfway through you imagine the uproar do you know what I mean yeah. you imagine the meltdown because he yeah. he and and it's the same you know Fincher doesn't necessarily write he he, he picks great scripts and, and you know works with them um, but a lot of the directors you know will, will that see the process all the way through Peter Jackson and Edgar Wright and those it's it's different to them and I think that's what you're getting. You're getting a, a director's, you know, this is his long-term vision, and that's the big thing with these films. Is he had this in his mind, probably like he did with these other films when he was watching films when he was younger. Do you know what I mean? He was already writing scripts and thinking of ideas, and 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 that's you know to have that commitment to make a film over that length of their career. Um, you know, is is pretty special because you you can't just go off and make a film like this. You know, you've got to build up to a film like this. And yeah, I just think it deserves the audiences it seems to be getting, and and you know it's hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes um, from from almost day one, and yeah. the the critics obviously love it, and and have been waxing lyrical about it since it kind of was aired at Venice or whatever it was, you know, earlier in the year. Uh, the dates got moved. I think it got moved in release earlier in the year because of the hype around it, which is kind of smart. Um, yeah. And it feels like the studios really reacted to it. And, and it feels like audiences and looking at numbers are, are, are responding and, and everyone I know has seen it absolutely loves it. Um, and it's not just people who like Edgar Wright or like music or like, you know, it's it's a combination of things. It's, yeah. it's, it is a very different film. I think some people might not like it. And I think only... I don't know who these people are, but I think I think it's very intricate and it's very clinical. And I know people have said at Scott Pilgrim that they don't like the quick jumping of scenes. Do you know what I mean? So you get these yeah. scenes, one minute he's, um, you know, dreaming, the next minute he's in another location straight away, and then the next minute it's very quick frames. And some people find that quite jolting. I find it almost ingenious. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like directors that do that. Five hundred days of summer. I always go back to where it's very clever about flipping between the different days. Um, and I just think it's films that do that and directors that do that. I just have so much admiration for because you can imagine the days and hours and, and weeks spent in the production side of things. You know, they just must be just in there, just creating this film and it's not just about the way it's shot um at the beginning it's all the production and post-production and everything that goes into it and i just think you can feel the love that's gone into this this film yeah. like uh, you know imagine the strain you know these kind of directors with these i think edgar wright said he had like seventy thousand songs on his ipad <laughs> ipod um which i mean I know yours broke earlier, Joe, but you imagine losing <laughs> 70,000 songs. That would just be oh. devastating. Um, 
and he's the kind of guy that probably, you know, I, I debated what came first when I wrote an article about this, um, which should be out in conjunction with this. Um, Excellent. About, you know, yeah, it's it subtle enough. Um, <laughs> about, <laughs> about what came first, whether it's the scene or the songs, you know what I mean? Because the, the mm. music is, is, is synchronised like I've never seen. And you can talk about, you know, James Gunn and I love Guardians and the, the music fits so well. The soundtracks are really well done. Um, and High Fidelity and these kind of soundtracks and films that I've always loved and almost famous and stuff. Um, Scott Pilgrim, uh, for putting out that, is an incredible soundtrack with original music on as well. But um, it's very rare that music is, is linked into a film or actually it's never been done like this before. Do you know what I mean? Let's be yeah. honest. I, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. But there's no, more to this film been. than that. There is more to this film than just the action and the, the soundtrack, and that's what it has got a real kind of undercurrent to it, a really good heart, and and I really love the two leads. I think their just chemistry is just incredible. Well, that, that leads us on nicely. We were just going to look at the character of Baby in particular and, and the performance of Ansel Elgort. What what were your thoughts thoughts on those things, Rory? I think he's great, actually. I hadn't really known what to expect of him because I, I, I just give him a lot of courage for, you know, stepping on set. He's twenty twenty one. He's stepping on set with Kevin Spacey and he doesn't look remotely out of place. Do you know what I mean? And I would think, and you've got big other actors in this, you know, talking Jamie Foxx and John Hamm and stuff, but um, John Bernthal is an incredibly intimidating actor yeah. from from at least his, you know, his roles, do you know what I mean? And it doesn't seem like it. Um, oh, he's got a presence and a half, hasn't oh, he? mate, he's got a presence and a half. Yeah, if you've seen Daredevil and the Punisher, the, the role he plays in that, man, <laughs> I would be nervous stepping onto set with John Bertel. Um And even people like Flea. I mean, I loved that he was in this as an albeit a cameo kind of thing, because he... He's, he's, I don't know if people know who Flea is, they must do, but he's a bass yeah. player from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I think the only other memorable acting role is he was in Back to the Future, wasn't he, back in the day? Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. I, I, I can't remember who he was. I can just remember reading it somewhere. He was, he was definitely one of Biff's kind of cronies, I remember. Um, but anyway, that's the, he plays almost identical part. If you go watch him, that's the future. You'll, you'll see he's almost the same, which is ridiculous. Um, but I just people like him, man. He's such a big personality. Do you know what I mean? And I just think this kid comes on to set. I don't know how much acting he's got behind him. And I was in, I've seen The Fault in Our Stars, which is a big kind of yeah, was, teen, yeah. teen book. And yeah. I've seen that and he's pretty good in that. Um, but it's nothing like this. Do you know what I mean? And, and I think he, he's perfect. I think he's... The only thing that I've read and I, I kind of in agreement with, he's supposed to be a little bit more awkward than he is. And, and I think he's socially awkward because he's not really had any time around people. Um, for a guy that's socially awkward, he's quite smooth talking. Um, <laughs> yeah. Super smooth, yeah. Smoother um, yeah. than anyone I've ever seen who's socially awkward, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's my thing. And, and when he's kind of dancing through the city, I mean... <laughs> That scene at the beginning, you know, it's, it's very Scott Pilgrim-esque, actually, when all the um, the words are flashing in, uh, across the screen in different areas and stuff. It's so clever. Um, but he he plays that so well. And, yeah, I mean, this film, for me, it, he just fits it perfectly. I, I think he, him and Lily James, and they're just a really good on-screen couple. And 
they don't spend an awful lot of time together let's be honest and this film just races along at a crazy pace you know um but the scenes when it slows it down with those two in the diner and when they're in the the laundromat and stuff i think it's just i think it's great i think um he just fits it perfectly and i think he fits the action role as well for a guy you know he's he looks ridiculously nimble you know when he's chasing across the cars and he's he did a hell of a lot didn't he yeah he did so yeah. i mean yeah i think he's got i think he's got a pretty bright future to be honest i mean there's a lot of good actors uh, and actresses you know in, in hollywood at this stage uh, young ones but he looks like yeah he, he he will probably walk into his next job quite comfortably let's put it that way yeah, and as you say, if you can hold your own against Oscar winners like Fox and Spacey yeah. and John Hamm, who I just think is incredible in everything. It's amazing, yeah. You know, if you can be in scenes with them and hold your own, you, you, you're doing something right, particularly at that age. And you mentioned, obviously, the character, his relationship with Deborah, And as you say, obviously, there's so many things in this film, but... The key thing in a relationship like that for me anyway is do you like these people? Do you want them to get together and stay together? And very much so. They were both so likable together. And yeah, just, you know, brilliant, brilliant work by both. What about yourself, Luke? What what were your thoughts on the character of Baby and, and the performance? Um, yeah, I think there's not much you can, not much you can really add. Um I think he just did re- did really well because I mean I I uh, reviewed reviewed the film um, a couple of weeks ago, and I even commented on the fact that a lot his his previous acting was like his credits were were very different to to this. They were almost a little bit lighter, um, and he's kind of come in and he's not putting a particularly heavy performance. But I think in a few scenes, there's a lot of different contrasting um, emotions you've got. For example, um, as Rory said, the uh, the beginning scene where he's like dancing through the street, um, and there's the scenes with his um, uh, foster father where he's dancing around there, very very light. But then of course you've got the the diner scene, which is very, I mean, incredibly tense. I was so tense in that That's scene, it. and he plays it. He oh, al- he almost doesn't play it, but like in the best way possible. It's very deadpan. But you almost like you can feel what he's going through, and he he is doing something by doing nothing at all, and it's really really good. Um, and the character the character is fantastic. I mean, it's not a particularly um, original um, story as the like the actual base story, um, mm. but the the way he plays the character is just really nice. Um, I don't think he overhams anything at all. I think it just kind of sits really well, um, and he does exactly what you would really want from that character, other than maybe this weirdly smooth how has he not already got a girlfriend in a better life situation <laughs> I mean I don't know what I've got to do but um, if he can do that and not have a girlfriend then I think I've got a lot to go but um, maybe you need to get, well, your, get your music on when you try it mate makes all the difference <laughs> no no I can't get even down, do it with get it, down but, your yeah. local Greg's put some music on <laughs> <laughs> and just put my glasses on and wait Wait for the just, just wait, wait for the woman behind the counter to get off shift, and you'll be fine. She'll smell of pasties, and you'll have a great time. It's all right. And I love it because I love pasties, so it's all right. Um, um, no, but yeah, I think I think there's not much more you can add. Really, it just he plays it really well. I really liked his performance. Yeah. Well, there's so, obviously so many interesting characters and performances in the film. Are there any others that particularly stand out for you, Luke? Um, I liked um, so I think I think there's a lot of obvious um, 
kind of partnership because there obviously there's, there's a relationship both um deborah and baby and then you've got doc and baby but i like the um i like the relationship between the three like core criminals which um uh jamie fox um john ham and i forget the name of the female um but i think down three the way it develops through the kind of the final two thirds and like the, probably the main part of the film is really interesting because they're all quite um different personalities almost and it's almost a bit it ends very firecracker it's, it's very firecracker it's kind of aggressive but fits well with the film i don't think it's overly aggressive um and i like their relationship between them three um mm-hmm. i think that's really fun i like that a lot what about yourself rory yeah i mean that's a it's a really interesting one because they for a, for a long time in the film they're basically buddy and darling are, are plotting to kill off jamie fox's bats because they know what a risk <laughs> he is because he's he's literally on the brink of a meltdown at any given moment he is <laughs> he's superb in it to be honest oh, fox, yeah. I, I think fox um basically didn't get out of character the whole set is what i've, I've read and i just be imagine hanging out with him he must be the scariest guy to hang out with because <laughs> he's in that crazy get up and all his tattoos and, and all the rest of it he just looks he looks amazing but um yeah the, their relationship and um, when he's in the diner and absolutely nailing buddy's backstory about coming from wall street and you know picking up your your favorite stripper and all this kind of stuff, which you you learn or you can see in John Hamm's face is real yeah. and it's true. Um, <laughs> you just don't know what's going to happen next. And I think the one relationship, obviously, um, Baby and his dad is, is a, or his, his foster dad's a really interesting one. And I thought their relationship was was really nice. I think there's a lot you talk about with Spacey and um, his kind of father son kind of kind of relationship with baby and there is some interesting elements i think for me that's just spacey being spacey yeah and i, I think you're right there as well it it's also quite rare i i think uh, unless you know i may be wrong on this but in these type of films in particular um it's quite rare to have a character in my experience who's who's actually for for, for a guy who's committing bank robberies and obviously is an extremely dangerous guy he is quite warm to baby and you know he clearly likes him and appreciates his skills as well and i think it's good that the the realism in terms of once baby crosses that line and sort of causes him obviously destroys the plans and ultimately ends up with 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 his partner getting killed I think, and then you see that other side of him come out, and I think it was good to see that, you know, he was his friend and that, but once Baby crossed the line, that was it. And I, I just echo you both going back to that diner scene. I think it's so good, the tension, you know, Jamie Foxx's bats. I mean, his words are like weapons, you know, yeah. he, uh, the way he delivers them and also the fact that, there's humour, but, you know, vicious humour often behind them, and also that sort of, that intellect, you know, he's razor sharp, and, 
you know, the, the tensions rise and obviously Baby has got his own situation going on with Deborah trying to keep her out of this at the same time that's going on and you just you feel almost as if you're there in that diner with them and it's just a, just a, a, a fantastic scene really. Just you know like, what that scene reminded me from? Just because just it actually just came to me then. It's got a bit of a Pulp Fiction vibe to it, you know. That oh, scene. yeah. yeah. Um, and... I think this film, you know, if you listen to Edgar Wright talk about it, he 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 always drops Easter eggs, and you know he loves putting actors and uh, I think there's people who were involved in the music, like Big Boys, Big in Atlanta from Outcast, and people like that were in the film at one stage. I think they were in the restaurant at the bar with Kevin Spacey at one stage, and people like that, you know, and they're on the soundtrack. Um, he loves to do that with the film, but he also, obviously, as we talked about, he. He has a history of, of um, you know, paying homage to, to different films, you know, and, and I think you could feel feel a bit of Tarantino in this film, and not yeah. not all the time, and it does still very much feel like an Edgar Wright film, but he's he's doing things what I would do as a if I ever was in that position, I would take influence from what's around me. He's obviously you know all the pop culture and gaming stuff is influenced from his past. He's you know, it's like Inception, where you you can't draw anything from your memory. You have to do it slightly different. You know, and I think yeah. it, it, that's exactly what he does generally. He takes his experiences and what he loves, and then just puts them on the screen in his style. And yeah, that put that scene is that scene is genius. It is because it signifies a change. Yeah. Um, and what follows is a completely different film almost. Uh, it really is. It's, it's At the beginning, it feels almost a straight action film because there's humour, but not a vast amount, um, bar the Mike Myers mask scene, which I saw really <laughs> made everyone laugh, including me. In the cinema. <laughs> uh, I thought that was genius. Um, but there isn't a whole great of like Edgar Wright in-your-face kind of humour that you used to. It was more of a straight action film, and then it suddenly turns in... You know, it's a high thriller film and it just becomes a heavy kind of thriller, dramatic kind of film and it's just such a different feel to it. I think it was a really good... That's a pivotal scene if you look back at the film as, as the change of tone. Yeah, no, totally agree, totally agree. And I love the fact that it's sort of... Obviously, we'll discuss it later, I'm sure, but it's sort of wrong foot you because at that stage, you, you definitely... You, the, the clock is ticking, or so you feel, on this clash between Bats and Buddy. You know, we know what Bats is like all the way through. He's talked about how dangerous he is, and obviously just has this air of danger anyway, and we've seen him be dangerous. But equally, Buddy has got this, you know, underlying sort of danger, similar in a way. And obviously, his girlfriend, and I can't remember her name, apologies there, but she, she you know, she she's verbalising how dangerous he is and you feel that's the way it's going to go. And I like the fact that it wrong foot you and it ends up being Baby, who, who has the clash with Bats, because Baby's clever enough to know what's coming his way from Bats. So, no, just... just magnificent storytelling really um, well, obviously we've touched a lot on music obviously Edgar Wright is so famous for his use of music in his films and as we've said this is pretty much unique the way he's used it in this do you have any favourite scene or music combinations in the film Rory? I think any of the scenes when when the driving's involved and, and literally baby can't go until it's the moment of the oh. song. Do you know what I mean? I think that's just brilliant. Um, for me, 
there's always one song and if it's ever used in any film it's my favorite song in a film and it's it's nowhere to run by martha oh, and the vandellas yes. we did a warriors pod um yeah. quite a while ago and and that that song again in the film is is the pivotal song for me and i kind of love that that motown soul kind of era of music and I just love that song. I just literally haven't stopped playing it. Um, the other one in there, which I literally had on repeat, and I bought the soundtrack immediately after the cinema, which is very typical of me, um, is is Beck, Deborah. Um, and I, I saw Beck last year, and he was absolutely incredible. Um, and Beck's just perfect for these kind of films. He's just, he's got that kind of white kind of, cowboy look which is bizarre but it kind of suits the kind of tone of the film if you see back this style of music and, and but then he, he completely adds hip-hop beats and stuff to his music it's it's the bizarrest twist and anyone that knows back just sees him as perfect and his lyrics on that song are just hilarious and i think the clever thing with the music um it's just that it's all about baby having songs about him do you know what i mean and the, the scene for me that i really liked is when deborah um is talking like you know it's all about her sister um having songs named after her it's not about me you know and then they play the t-rex song and then there's the beck song as well and it's it's kind of nice because he's that's a big there's not much character development with her to, to the uh, backstory of what went on do you know what I mean you, you know with Baby what happened the tragedy and things like that um, but you don't get a sense of that with her but that was kind of a good little you know that she's the one that's in the shade all the time do you know what I mean and he's yeah. maybe making her feel special and I don't know it's, it's that's quite pivotal and that's all done by music really there's, there's not much words that have to be spoken and that's why it's very clever um, but it's, it's a really good soundtrack it's such a great mix of music um, I do love anything when you know the kind of indie rock stuff when when he's driving I think there's some really good songs on there um, Focus by Hocus Pocus or Hocus Pocus Focus whichever way around it is it's cool and then the Bell Bottoms is pretty good and there's some there's some other good stuff in there as well yeah just fantastic soundtrack as you say what about yourself Luke any particular combinations of music and scenes stand out for you um, I think yeah I think I really like so I really like that. Well, the music all the way through is almost a second star in the film or a third star if you're taking like a writing into that context. But I think um, there's the scene where they go and meet um, Doc's contacts in that warehouse, uh, the the butcher. It is, isn't it? And um, tequila. And I, yeah, tequila. Yeah, the tequila scene. Yeah, and um, I think what I really like is, and that's kind of almost for me the first time I watched the film brought into 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 contrast how important music was like halfway through the film because i think what whatever whatever song it was and i don't i don't know the song off the top of my head but it's more the scene that sticks in my mind is where the guns are going off to the drum beat so it's like um yeah. it, it's really quick obviously quick shooting but the song is going to be quick and um, i think that's when you get and, that, and that's what moves on almost to rory's point about which did come first the you know the song or the the scene because it seems like the song doesn't come into the scene without the scene but then the scene doesn't work without the song and you're kind of mm. thinking what's going on like how is this working how has this worked out it's almost like he's got a playlist and then he's gone right i'm gonna write a film for this playlist i'm not gonna change any more music i'm just gonna go off this <laughs> um, and it, it's kind of it's a really really exciting but weird situation um but that's my that, that's my um not my favorite scene but probably the scene that made me me smile the most um 
and it was once you realised that the guns were going off to the drumbeat and every every shot cut into a different um, character shooting the gun at a different time was a different uh, drum sound. So that yeah. made it re- sound really, really original. And if there's anyone <coughs> listening to this who, who, who hasn't seen the film, um, firstly, I don't know why you listen to this and not in the cinema, but <laughs> um, try and notice that because I think it's really yeah. fun and that's almost, that, that's almost um, a thread throughout the whole film. And I think when you, it, well, I saw it the second time, you do notice that from the beginning. It's just that you almost haven't clicked onto it just yet. And that, that's what I really liked about the, the music and the uh, scene combination. Mate, I'm yeah. jealous you've seen it twice, to be honest. Oh, I'm just so. jealous now. I just want to go back and see it. <laughs> I want um, to see it the third time. Might go tomorrow. <laughs> oh, mate, it's such a good film. That is song, that is Tequila by Button Down Brass. Um, yeah, all oh, these okay. songs, all these songs, you think you know them, and then they come into another song, and you can just see how many samples have been used by this kind of music. Oh, you know oh what yeah. I mean? It's, yeah, it's, so. I can't remember which song it is, but there's one which is, I thought it was going to come into a Dr. Dre song, and it's just the start of a different song entirely. Yeah, it's a um, sample from the Dre song, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think it was before the Dre song. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it was. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's a couple of other ones where, um, what's the House of Pain song, where Jump Around, do you know? Dun, dun, dun. Is that Harlem Shuffle, where it's, it starts like that? I think it is. I think it is, yeah. Um, and that's the thing. There's these songs that you think, Christ, it's going to be this. That's exciting. And then it's something completely different. So it gives you complete misdirection. Um, yeah. I've never known a soundtrack this in tune with a film before. Do you no. know what I mean? I've known great soundtracks, like incredible yeah. soundtracks. Forrest Gump's got one of the best ever soundtracks. But that's just hit after hit after hit through the decades and through the ages, you know? Um, mm. This, like you said, I think there's certain songs that he probably did plan before the scene do you know yeah. what I mean because oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think that I've heard him say that he would go through his catalogue because he knows this scene's going to be two minutes so he'll filter things down by length so I think there are scenes that he didn't know what he was going to use and then probably had a great idea but then just mm-hmm. filtered them um, but the certain scenes you know have just been completely tailored to to that style and I mean it's so different it's an upgrade on Scott Pilgrim because Scott Pilgrim did have original music um, and it's all about the bands and the battle of the bands and all this kind of stuff. Um, and the scenes work extremely well, but the, those songs were written for the film. Do you know what I mean? And they were mm-hmm. designed for yeah. that scene. Whereas he's picking songs that aren't designed for any scene. He's making the scene around the song. I mean, that is, it's very, very clever. Um, and unlike anything else. And I think you've got to appreciate the music and the art together to really get it do you know what I mean? oh, it, yeah it, it, it's not like everyone will get it and, and even take it into the detail that that i certainly do and that other people do but you could just watch the film i don't know you, you, you know it's the kind of film that you listen to the soundtrack and it flashes back to the film that is yeah. how clever it is and that's very rare there's not not films that do that very often to be to be honest i'd also say as well you know some of these songs i know me i don't have you know, musical taste like yourself, Rory. I, I, I'm not. I'm not as into music, to be honest no, with you. No, no. That's not to say I don't like music, but I'm not like. You know, I haven't got thousands of songs on my iPod. Yeah, I'm basically like a. I'm a mini Edgar Wright. I'm like a lower <laughs> level. You know, no. I, I know a little bit about film and music and games and all that shit, but I, I'm yeah. That's the kind of thing. I, I'm a bit of a, a bit of a geek. Well, I I wouldn't. Um, uh, some of these songs I know that if I just heard them on the radio, I possibly wouldn't like some of them. 
Yeah, but I no, I'm, I'm with them you. in this film. I love them in this film, and the way the done is so creative, and the work that has gone in to make everything sync up. You know, obviously, he said himself, a lot of people think it's editing, but that's only a small part of it. Most of it is that they've actually just done everything choreographed to that music, and the skill and the effort from the director and the actors and everybody involved is just. It's breathtaking, really. It's just, you know, uh, it, it's, it's. I think I remember Steven Spielberg described Lawrence of Arabia as a miracle of a film. Yeah. Obviously, for different reasons. That's an epic and different challenges in the desert and whatnot. But this is a miracle of a film in a way because all these things work perfectly. You know, it would have been very easy for me, definitely, for some of these things for me to have gone, oh, that's too far, or, you know what I mean? But it's just yeah. perfectly balanced, and he knows exactly how much to use and how much not to use, and, you know, how long to have these chase scenes and these yeah. scenes, and just just perfection, really. It really is. It's just the... I think that's the thing with films like this. You yeah. you normally get a sense that either they're too long or they're cramming too big an action scene or they yeah. do, you know, there's something that feels a little bit out of place or they lull. There's uh, Most films um, mm-hmm. have a, a really big dip in the middle where they kind of don't know whether to turn turn it on, you know, and, and go for, for the big closing scene. They're kind of building the anticipation or, or whichever way they do it. This doesn't have an, an ounce of fat on it, does it? Do you know what I mean? It feels like, you know, it's a two hour film. Um, and what surprised me, like, you know, Nolan films and, and, and Jackson films are always like two hours, 40, three hours, these kind of ridiculously long films, which are great because they, they are, but sometimes, I think Mad Max is about two hours, sometimes you go and see a film and you just it keeps your attention the entire time, which is quite rare, it is, because you'll often go and see a film and just sometimes lose interest a little bit and it brings you back round. Um, but, yeah, I just thought it's just the perfectly produced film, you know, and that's the thing. It's not just about all the other stuff we're, we're waxing lyrical about. It's literally, it's just, it's it's this is the director's cut. Do you know what I mean? Like when, yeah. when you see films and go, Oh Christ, I wish you could feel the director wanted to add a bit more in there. Or, you know, they've always talked about doing four hours of footage and they've got to get it down to two hours. This doesn't feel like, this feels like they shot exactly what he wanted. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like nothing totally. more, nothing less really. Totally. And obviously we've, we've talked about Edgar Wright and his love of pop culture and yeah. you know, passion for things. And, one of the things he's really good at doing is capturing the magic or the love that people have that doesn't necessarily always get reflected in films and things for something as simple as, you know, walking walking with your iPod onto a song you love. There is a joy to that that is just amazing. You actually you actually sometimes feel you're walking faster than you would any other time. And obviously the, the odds are you're not. But it feels that way, and I think that scene with uh, Bell Bottoms and him walking to the coffee shop is just magical. That that's the scene I will, you know, that's the scene for me that just, you know, as you say, with the the sort of the names popping up as graffiti, the words popping up as graffiti on on the walls and things. It's just so creative, and it's just just a bit special, really. Um, just just magical, isn't it? It really is. Yeah, mate, I, I completely agree, actually. I didn't even look at it from from that perspective. He does 
I mean, going back, albeit quickly, to, to Hot Fuzz and... Um, Oh god, I can't remember his name now. Nick Nick Frost's character in that. When he's saying he's saying, have you you ever driven a car and, and shot a gun at the same time? Have you ever jumped in the air and shot a gun? Have you ever done this? Have you ever been stabbed? Have you ever shot a man? Have you ever cooked a fool or whatever he says? You know? I, just, yeah. I love that scene because that's him basically, you know, it's that similar kind of thing where he's going have you ever done this? Because I, I love action films and I'm in this sleepy town <laughs> where nothing happens. And then obviously at the end of that film, it's all about him shooting while he's driving and, and all these kind of car suits and hot, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, he does do that. You know, Edgar Wright is, I don't know, he's got that great imagery on <clears throat> taking what you, you know, you would do in these situations potentially, you know, especially <laughs> Shaun of the Dead, and and kind of, I mean, the Shaun of the Dead one's always the classic where it's people looking at their phones and already being zombies when they're not zombies. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, he does have a very very clever way of of doing that. And yeah, I was in London, headphones on last couple of days. Um, much happier with my headphones on in London. Aww. Let's put it that way. Um, and putting Massive Attack on, and you know, that takes you back to the video and all that kind of stuff. And it is that man. Yeah, you do. You do envisage yourself in in his style and his films, especially if you're connected that way. And yeah, that's the films that really connect with you, I think. And and that's <laughs> what makes it a little bit more. You know, that's what hits it home a little bit more because you know that's what we said why we're rooting for Baby. You know, because he's just like your everyday guy maybe you know found himself in the wrong situation and is struggling to get out of it really so yeah it's it's a very good point mm-hmm. i'm just aware of the, of the time so what what were your thoughts on the end of the film and in particular baby giving himself up really some people it didn't work for them what what were your thoughts on that luke i really liked it because um, i think it's one of them isn't it where um you don't I don't think you really expect. So although there's a there's a belated happy ending, obviously after the five years um, he spends in prison, but I think it's nice that it isn't just a happy ending straight away. Do you know? I think because I think you could you could always say because I think it's almost that as you go through the film, it's almost that kind of classic American um, kind of 1950s film, isn't it? Really got the love interest, you got the bad situation. And it's almost he's kind of heroically putting himself forward to get kind of captured. And then you'd imagine, oh, as as the, uh, the the witnesses in the stand are going through all the testimonies about how he's, you know, essentially a good guy in a, in a un- well, unfortunate situation, you kind of expect it to go, OK, well, in the light of this, la, 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 you know, we'll let you off. But it's nice that he goes, no, 25 years, but possibly, uh, possibly you'll be let out after five. And I kind of thought, I like that a lot. Like, I really like the fact that he just kind of, yeah, you've done this crime and you've been caught and you've you've gone to prison, um, albeit not for the you know, full twenty five years. But um, it's just a nice way of kind of again distance distancing itself from maybe what you'd expect from um, at, at, at any other film, I suppose. Really, um, so that the ending worked for me, um, and I uh, I'd probably been more I'd probably been more disappointed in possibly kind of the writing and the directing um, and kind of the whole production of the film if they'd have just would have just kind of like they say um, drove off into the sunset if you like um, so it was nice yeah I liked it yeah yeah, yeah I didn't I didn't want it to go Bonnie and Clyde you know I didn't want the whole drive off and you know yeah and I, I, I just 
I, I would have been more pissed off if that had happened. Certainly, yeah, because I, I just yeah. think, although he did commit crimes, you know, she is entirely innocent in all of this. I mean, she didn't even know he was a criminal until 40 minutes to go. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's yeah, a pretty it's hard thing to meet someone a couple of days before and then basically um, be, you know, put in jail, presumably also if they'd driven off and got caught. Do you know what I mean? Or they'd been on the run their whole life. And I, yeah. yeah, it wouldn't As have been... accomplished type thing, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it would have been that. and It wouldn't have sit right as well. I mean, they got their minutes or two of her driving and, and him waking up and their moment together, albeit a brief one. But then ultimately the kind of, you know, the good wins out really. And um, yeah, I think everyone, you know, <laughs> died who should have done. Let's put it that way. Do you know what I mean? And, <laughs> yeah. um, I think everyone got their comeuppance in the kind of right way. It was, I, I did like the court scene when, it was people giving evidence and it was the woman who stole his car, but she gave back <laughs> his handbag. Do you know what I mean? I mean, that's a great scene when he does the full, full donut and, and chucks the, the bag out of the car. And she says, what the fuck? It's just a genius thing. Um, and yeah, I thought, you know, it's, it was a, it was a subtle enough ending. I, I didn't think it was going to go that way. I thought it was going to go full on explosions and, and you don't know, or maybe drive us into the sunset and cut that kind of thing. And I think that would have been disappointing. I think it got the kind of it got the ending it that was right morally and otherwise. And I think that's 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 important. I think I can see why people wanted the whole. It doesn't play out like a typical action film at the end. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't have that big. There's no you know Michael Bay explosion. Do you know what I mean? There's no helicopters on fire or do you know tanks or any shit like that. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 a huge foot chase and, and everything that happens goes wrong and you know baby having his perfect kind of normal getaway and everything completely goes where he's hiding behind a tree for God's sake and trying to escape on foot and jumping cars and all the rest of it. It's it it all spirals. Um, but ultimately everyone yeah everything happens for the right reasons and bar a kind of almost Halloween-esque John Hamm at one stage it, I thought it was a almost perfect film a perfect ending really yeah no uh, I agree I think uh, I like the fact like you both said that it had weight you know people had been hurt in these crimes although obviously yeah. he was forced into it the film had a weight, there were consequences to these cars travelling around and, you know, pulling off these heists at high speed and having these gun battles in packed cities. You know, I like that they had weight and I also like that his actions, despite us knowing that essentially he was a good person, it had weight that he was ultimately punished and he chose to take that punishment because partially I think because he felt he deserved it partially, but also because, as you both said, because he didn't want Deborah to to become a, an accomplice when she, you know, she'd had no time to think about it, and he didn't want to living with that, or, you know, living in fear for the rest of her life. So I, I like that, and I like that it was different. I like that it wrong-footed me in the cinema and many other people. And again, that that's another thing Edgar Wright's so good at it. You know, you you don't get exactly what you expect, and and, and that's a good thing to me. Obviously, as I say, I'm aware of the time. So just a final question, really. Is there anything, any other performances or scenes or anything like that, moments that stand out for you that we haven't mentioned that you'd just like to give a bit of love to, Rory? Um, I mean, we, we've obviously talked about them, but I think the action scenes, the car scenes, 
particularly the opening one in oh, the Subaru yeah. is probably one of the finest car scenes I've, I've ever seen because it's no, there's no CG, man. And, and it, it was quite a welcome relief to go to a film that isn't, you know, 3D IMAX, that isn't mm-hmm. all the CG and green screens and special effects. And this yeah, car sure. scene was done for real, man. And that whole, you know, where Bernthal, you know, points forward and he goes in reverse and then does that ridiculous move around those two cars and you watch that, that. Yeah. and how close is he to those cars and that is real oh, yeah. do you know what i mean that's real stunt driving and that's magnificent i mean that and the camera work on that is just crazy good um and I you said, feel you know, a difference don't you rory you feel a difference when it's real and real stunts there's a difference yeah, there's a massive difference. I think I'm a massive advocate of, of Mad Max and the scenes in Mad Max that are way over the top and not real. But the bulk of Mad Max is filmed in Australia, is filmed mm-hmm. in, in areas and, 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 and it is actually happening. Do you know what I mean? And you get yeah. the tension from that. Um, and I think when films are done right, it just like that, it feels great. And the one other quick thing to say is I love films and there's not many of them. Drive does it and Collateral of a few years ago and, and this where it's just got those kind of cityscapes, you know, and I feel Atlanta was a really good choice. Oh, yeah, um, I love that. I love, I love that. when they pan out, especially at night and you get that kind of buzz of the city because, you know, I, yeah, it just feels, it feels really special. I, I, films that do that, I just always, always got a soft spot for basically. And, and yeah, I, I love films that have always done that. Drive certainly does that. And mm-hmm. it's got some drive, you know, it's got some familiar feels of drive to it, the soundtrack and the styling and stuff, but, um, but it's completely different in its, its style. But those, those kind of panoramic city shots and stuff, it does, you know, I, I, it's nice to see Edgar Wright giving a budget to do those kind of shots. Let's put it that way anyway, you know, definitely, definitely. What about yourself, Luke? Scene wise, um, obviously talked about it before. I think the, the, for me the dining scene because um, I think you could feel you could feel the tension building between um, like the kind of the, the four core characters carrying out the uh, the post office heist. You could kind of feel it. I think um, the temperature increasing a little bit, but I didn't expect um, that basically because I think I'm a really big kind of horror stroke thriller fan. Like I re- and I and I like I, I like that feeling of almost oh, I can't, I can't stand this. It's almost, you, you can feel the tension and that came out of absolutely nowhere. Um, so that would probably be my favourite scene, just purely for what it made me feel while I was actually in the cinema. Because, you know, you've got the beginning of the film. It's very jovial. You know, he's, he's running around in the street, you know, singing and dancing to like, you know, whatever song it is or whatever mix it is. And then you've got, obviously, he's, he's uh, singing Deborah in, in, in the flat with his uh, with his foster father. And that's very nice. That's it. You know, he really lovely couple of scenes and then they go kind of it drops you straight out of the air into that um so i really like yeah. that but i think in terms of like my favorite like line almost um and this is kind of just comes from my like absolute love of like disney and pixar is where in you know, the first half of the film he's <laughs> yeah. watching monsters inc isn't he and um, they say like you and i we're gonna have a friendship forever and then in the middle he uses that line to oh, uh, the doc and then a little bit later on he says you know of course i'm, I'm good for it you know uh you and I, we friends forever, and then I've just had to actually search <laughs> search Twitter for the actual <laughs> quote. But he says, "Don't feed me any more lines from Monsters Inc. That pisses me <laughs> off." And it's like, it's just a really lovely bit of like humour. And he says, yeah. it's, it's, uh, "I know what it's from. I'm not stupid. It's Sam's favourite film. Who's obviously nephew." 
Oh, um, that nephew had a couple of great lines as well. Oh, yeah, he was, he was a corker, wasn't he? He was an under, understated hero of the filming, wasn't he? <laughs> I think one other quick thing, Joe. Um, yeah. Jamie Foxx's death in that scene, I mean, that was brutal. But, oh, yeah. but, but the aftermath of that, you know, where he can't move, where Baby's just completely in shock. And, you know, that pause on the screen and that noise, you're just feeling the tension, man. I mean, that's genius because you just feel every inch of what the hell has just yeah. happened. And and that's baby feeling, you know, that the guy got, you know, the innocent security guard got shot because of, he feels like it's him, you know, and he has to take retribution. And I just thought, yeah, I think some people have doubted whether he intentionally killed him. He, he did. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> you can say, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, the other thing yeah. he does, which Edgar Wright has admitted, is he turns the airbag off. <laughs> so Jamie Foxx has got oh, no chance. Yeah. <laughs> he God. leans over and turns God. the airbag off. Um, oh. So, yeah, I mean, it's all very intentional. I mean, that is an attention to detail, isn't it, from director yeah. to do something oh. so subtle as that. But, yeah, that scene and, and that start of the chase scene is just, um, yeah, the tension is incredible. It really is. Oh, I think I think that's a great, great place to end it, really. Yeah. I've enjoyed hearing both your thoughts. It makes me want to... The best compliments I can give is it makes me want to watch the film again even more than I already did, which is saying something as I was already desperate to see it again. So thanks very much to you both. Where can people find more of your work, Rory? Yeah, maybe not on Twitter at the minute. I'm I'm not the most optimistic of Liverpool fans right now, but (laughs) it sounds like there's some good news on the horizon, so maybe I'll come around. Um, (laughs) If you want to listen to me talking anything about films and stuff, it's it's either on here or it's on on at AI Comic Pod. Um, We've been talking Spider-Man lately and Guardians of the Galaxy. and Yeah, got Wonder Woman to come quite soon and some other good stuff. It's been a big year for our kind of style and genre. So so good stuff for that. And then there is an article which I briefly mentioned before, which is in conjunction with this. It's a review on on the film and a a kind of a different take on it, I would hope. A bit more from the kind of eyes of the director seat. and, And yeah, I think it's pretty decent. So hopefully people will check that out as well. I've read that, and I'm not just saying it is absolutely fantastic. Please check excellent. it out. It's excellent. I'll be on on the AI site here very soon. And what about yourself, Luke? Um, yeah. So um, if you know, if you want to have a chat about the film or just about anything in general, I think um, Twitter's probably the best place to do it. Um, as I'm starting to kind of move into a lot more writing about trying to get into music and film, um, that's where like I'll be posting a lot of me both my thoughts and my uh, pieces um, as I crack on with the day job. So uh, that's at underscore L-U-K-A-L-L underscore. So at underscore Luke all underscore. Yeah, and uh, I've read Luke's work on films before. Thoroughly recommend. Please check out his Twitter for, and also AI, where he's also done some film, uh, film, film articles that are thoroughly recommend reading so please check those out um i'm joe simpson at joe simpson 79 on twitter or at a movie night um as always i I fully recommend you all to check out the ai app it's it's free and obviously it's got films comic movies it's got you know all, all sorts of sports not just football there's pretty much Anything you want is on there. It's you know sports. It's got just a. Man, something it's got everything now. Every time I go on, there's something else. There's an NBA yeah, one, which Joe Connors, the legend pod's great. 
Gags is basically doing about 26 pods a week at the minute. Um, I speak quite honestly about it, man, but there's some insightful stuff, there's stuff that people don't think to do, and, and it does push some boundaries, and I'm not just saying that. I do, you know, the, the work that goes behind it all, you know, we're all doing it for free. Um, we just want to talk and, and, and get that feedback, and yeah, just thank anyone, and I do on the AI Comic Pod. We've had some really good numbers lately, and yeah, it's really good for people to, to check it all out, and we really do appreciate it. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Thanks to everyone for listening. like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volure xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.